So God, we ask for that same thing together this morning, that you would, um, we trust that you're with us, we know you're here, and we want to ask for good things too, just like, um, just like Solomon shows us how to do. So help us listen this morning. We love you. Amen. All right, first things first. Uh, VBS was super sweet. Um, the, the, they, we had, we, it wasn't quite as loud as I had imagined it would be this weekend from the kids. They were belting it out, but they made like actions. God let us see. It was, it was really sweet. Um, and it was just, um, I can't wait to do it next year. So um, the report is, it's worth continuing. So thanks for the kids who came and the parents who made it work. And I hope you got you know, coffee or whatever you needed out of the three hours or so, but it was a blast. One other thing to note, um, this last week we did some, we did art together every week. This last week was my favorite. Um, we talked about the baptism of Jesus and they all made, um, I'm, I, you guys know I make icons, right? So they all did, they drew their own icon of Jesus's baptism and then we mounted them on um, wood. So the kids who did that, you can pick them up afterwards. But I would encourage you to take a peek at them. There, um, this one's really interesting. I don't know whose this is. Does anyone want anybody? Any of the kids? Is this Audrey? Anyways, so you know John, and then Jesus is—he's like way in the water, like John's straight up, and Jesus is like laying down. And one of the things we want to remember about baptism is, in our baptism, we share in Christ's life, yes, but we also share in His death. And so I just love that. Like, that's there for them. Um, so, super fun. Um, love that. Second thing, I got three things real quick. The bike ride last week with the middle schoolers was a blast. Um, Alan, where'd he go? He's eating coffee. Alan's MacGyver. Alan had a flat tire. Alan's spokes were loose. I didn't know you could, did it? Do you all know you could tighten your bike spokes? Never knew, right? <laughs> I don't science well, I think, Phil. I think you really like that. Uh, so Alan's tightening his bike spokes every time we stop. He over-tightened them and then read. I mean, it was fascinating. And then he clips in because he's cool. You know what I'm talking about, right? And his shoe came off of the clip. So he just rode with his, his clip stuck in there. And then he played soccer and he destroyed us all in soccer. He's amazing. And Jim is Hercules. Uh, I think we all, you know, remember how hot it was last Sunday, right? I think we all had trouble keeping up with Jim. So um, you're 95? Just kidding. I hope, I hope I have your energy when I'm 50. You are, you are a force, Jim. That was really fun. Thank you for putting it together. Something s strange and sweet kind of happened. We biked around um, Bede Makaska and Calhoun, and then we played. We went to the Rose Garden, and we played soccer at the Rose Garden. And um, there was a, a gentleman in the Rose Garden who was witnessing the people. And so he heard us talking. And so he came up to me and asked me if I wanted to hear him present the gospel. And I said, oh, no, I'm okay. I'm, you know, I'm with this. We're doing this thing. And then he went over and talked to the kids anyway, which I was like, ah. Anyways, one of the kids came up to me afterwards and said, one of the students says, that doesn't sound like what we talk about at church. Because the guy was basically saying, you know, say the prayer and... Um, and I said, well, what do, you, what do we talk about? I mean, this is like, this is gold. Um, they said, well, we talk about how important it is and how loving God is the most important thing and then how loving our neighbor 
is just like that in loving ourselves. And I said, that's what I think too. I think that's how we know. That's how we, we live in it and we live out of it. And we, of course, we wanna be people who pray and commit ourselves, but we live our commitment every day, right? It's, and I was just like, I, was, I loved that um, I had tried to protect them from this moment. I failed and they didn't need protecting. They'd, they'd heard it and they dealt with it kindly. It was so sweet. Um, so I just, I'm, you know, about a year and a half ago, we were looking for someone to be a, like a youth pastor. And I am so blessed that I get to do it. So um, what a sweet, and then it gets, the sweetness continues. This is a saccharine morning. Um, this morning before church, about 8.30, the Hanson family, Katie and I went down to Arden Park, and um, Dan and Greta got baptized this morning. And um, I, just, I just love this. I just love the good things um, that are going on here in our lives, in our community, just what sweet, sweet good things. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is thank you. What an honor it is to, to, to be here and um, to participate in all this good stuff happening. So amen. Okay, <clears throat> onward to the sermon. Well, yeah. So um, what? Ooh. Oh, the coffee's here. If you were waiting for coffee, it's here. <laughs> Nice job, Alan. See, MacGyver, who I was just talking about you and the spikes, how I, spokes, how I learned you could, you could tighten spokes. Who knew? Alan, and it sounds like Phil. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about wisdom this morning. Um, and, well, um, we're wondering at maybe what it might be like to be people who are wise, and I loved how at the end of the, the whole thing, um, God says, it pleases me that you didn't ask for money, you didn't ask for long life, you didn't ask for the death of your enemies, um, so I'm going to give you what you asked for, and then he also says, and I'm going to give you all those things too. So I think our one takeaway this morning could be, if we just ask for good things, we can trust that God will give us money, long life, and the death of our enemies. And seen? Amen? Right. Uh, and we all remember that... This is, these, like, this is, these, our lives are not fixed things. Solomon starts out really, really well, but what happens to him as his life continues? He moves out of that, right? And we're all complicated people where we're never, ever done. We're never done fully surrendering, right? It's why you can't just say a prayer once. It's why every day we have to, again, renew and love God and love our neighbor and love ourselves and love our enemy because the, our transformation into becoming remade, returning to being image bearers of God and being made, remade in Christ's image is never done. It's always ever happening in us. And, you know, like Paul says, he, the further Paul went, the more work he saw he had to do. And that's why it's so critical that we start with grace, that we start with mercy, that we start with our belovedness. It's why baptism is so important because in our baptism, we have, um, we rem we have something we can recall and point to that says, I am beloved, that, that I stand. This is what I believe about following Christ is that God made me in God's image and loves me just as I am. And so we have here Solomon who, who gets this great start, and it's actually even a little tricky right now because he's already, you know, if you read, don't go reading it, it'll, 
but he's, it's tricky. Our lives are complicated. Our faithfulness to God is complicated, which is part of the reason why God's faithfulness to us is more important than our faithfulness to God. We'll fail. God's promise to love and carry and hold us never fails. If we put our trust in ourselves, we're gonna be working hard for forever. And that's why the invitation to Jesus is, is to come and just accept a new identity. That's already ours. You can't lose it, you can't earn it, but you can forget about it. So Solomon has this great start to his, to his kingship. Um, and I think if we were to you know, just say it, the special gift that Solomon asks for, receives from God, is, is wisdom. 1 Kings 4.29 says that God gave Solomon very great wisdom and discernment. And so when we have these kind of two ideas of wisdom and discernment sitting next to each other, they're synonyms, um, you know, they're roughly the same idea. Maybe wisdom here means more like there's a, um, well, here, I'll read a definition here. Uh, The essential idea of wisdom represents a manner of thinking and attitude concerning life's experiences, including matters of general interest, basic morality. These concerns relate to prudence in all affairs, skill in arts, a moral sensibility, and an experience in the ways of the Lord. I think that's a great definition. I, I would summarize it down, and I would say it's about being able to live life in a life-giving way. And sometimes knowing that things that we think give us life, like money or resources, they don't always. Um, so, so this is what Solomon, this is what, what, what got the, the wisdom part, and then the discernment is understanding what's happening between two different things or between two different tensions, right? And the further you move in life, the further you realize, I hope, that there is far more gray than you thought when you started out. Because there's things like timing, right? Things like making sure when you say, like, you ever feel like you need to, anybody ever feel like they need to confront somebody and tell them what they're doing wrong? No, just me? Thank you, Jess. By the way, the reason I'm wearing shorts right now is because I brought pants, but I didn't bring a belt. And somebody's waistline is shrinking. Um, thought I, should, I, know, I thought I should just explain why I'm... It's Okay, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, how Jess wants to tell everybody what to do. Um, <laughs> wear pants. And sometimes... <laughs> sometimes... Touche. Sometimes... We do have to say something. But I think a lot of times we just need to learn to zip our lip and cultivate love. Because the, 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 the energy that comes behind correcting someone isn't always I love you. It's maybe I'm anxious and you can fix my anxiety if you would just behave according to my plans. Or maybe it's something along the lines of my life is in order and in order for me to live well, you must live in compliance, right? It's not always love. When we love someone, that's when we get to have these conversations with them. Or that's when I, right? And it's discernment to know when, and when to say something and when not to. And of course, if you see somebody walking out in the middle of the street, you grab their arm and you correct their action because they're about to die, Right? You don't ask their permission, but, but when life and death, death isn't on the line, it's usually a little, there's a little more nuance to it. 
So this is what Solomon, it, it says Solomon gets. He gets wisdom. Um, he gets the, the ability to know how to live life in a life-giving way and how to, how to figure out what's happening between two tensions. And I love how the story with the two prostitutes that we don't read about shows this, right? He's got two people who say, it's my child, and he's got to figure out what to do in that situation. He's got to figure out what a life-giving future looks like for this child and then these two women who say that the, the child is theirs. So, um, real question. Most of you know I like to ask questions, and I really want to hear what you think. According to what we read this morning, all right, 1 Kings 3, if you want to, uh, if you want to head there, um, how does Solomon gain wisdom and discernment? How does he get it? How does he come upon it? What does he do? Okay. He asks for it. That's the very first thing he does. He doesn't think about wanting it. Right in the, in the, in the recesses of his brain, he doesn't go, it sure would be nice if I had wisdom. What's the risk when you ask for something? Okay. You might not get what you ask for. You also might get it. And, and that blade, ha that's right. It's the, the, the old Romani, right? Uh, be careful what you ask for, you just might get it. Or the great... Uh, the, the wise man himself, Mick Jagger. How does the line go? Can't always get what you want, but get what you need. So Solomon gets what Solomon gets because he asks. And as soon as I saw this, I hear the words of Christ, right? Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. Okay, so Solomon asks. Why does Solomon ask? I'm going to make you find this. I'm not going to give it to you. Okay. Solomon asks because God said to ask. Solomon asks because God says ask, which reveals what is already happening in Solomon's life. What's he already doing? Okay. Obedience. Okay, obedience, talking to God, or we might just say he is, he's listening. Right, and by the way, uh, the, the word in Hebrew, shema, can mean all three of those things. Shema can mean to listen, it can mean to obey, and it can mean to understand what's happening. So as this moment happens, what we already see is Solomon has a disposition to listen to God what God might say, what God might want. Now, how did Solomon learn how to listen? Uh, I, 
One of the, Samuel or David, later on, but yes. Okay, he had a teacher. Who was your teacher? Who taught you to listen? Someone pointed at mom and dad. And that's some of our stories. And for some of us, that's not our story, right? We have to go out and find our own moms and dads because the ones we got didn't teach us that. But the idea here is that this, there's this sacred way in which we interact with each other generationally. Where, I mean, let's be real. Everybody in here, you have people you're connected to where you are being invited to help form who they are. To teach them how to be people who know God's love. Who, who, who can learn how to listen. And if you're anything like me, okay, and this may be a little embarrassing for me to admit, um, I don't know, about 30, I realized I had no idea how to pray. Because I went to church, I mean, I've got a lot of church hours, all right? I have... If church hours is how you get in through the pearly gates, I'm in. Do you know what I was never actually taught to do was pray. I was never taught how to listen. I was never taught how to pray. Now, we prayed a lot, right? We practiced it together, which that's a wonderful thing. You want, some, some things have to be caught, um, right? You, have to, you learn how to play catch not by talking about playing catch, but by doing what? Playing catch. And an easy way to prove this is Try playing catch with your non-dominant hand. Try throwing with your non-dominant hand. You'll realize that it's just all about practice. You could become great at it. Uh, I played basketball in high school, and I'm right-handed. And I remember how just dopey I'd feel going in for like a left-handed layup, and I'd feel all self, I'd be like, what am I doing with my body? Because it wasn't natural for me. So Solomon learned how to listen, learned how to um, do this, through some teachers, maybe through his dad, maybe through his mom. Uh, you never know what kind of... I never really know how to categorize David towards the end of his life, right? Like, you read the first two chapters of First Kings, and it's like the ending of Godfather Part 1. It's, it's terribly frightening what happens to David. It's, it's, and Solomon's life is also, this, you know, is also the same sort of thing. And it, it's not... It's not our destiny to become terrible people as we get old, but it's a reminder that if we don't stay attentive to the life of God in us, if we don't keep some of, the, some of our anxieties, if we don't keep talking to them and keep seeing ourselves healing, we can, we can end up as being people who may be called people after God's own heart, but boy, the last chapter of our life, we'd sure like, we'll have some sorrow and some tears over. So, okay, so... So, uh, Solomon asks because God asks, which shows that Solomon already knows how to listen to God, and Solomon has learned that from someone. There's, there's an invitation here for us to see that. Now, um, who has this open in front of them? What is the exact words? What does God say to Solomon? All right. The NRSV says, ask for whatever it is you want me to give you. Did I get it right? You have the NIV. Okay, that's the NIV. Ask for whatever it is you want. What is it again? 
Ask for whatever you want me to give you. What does that sound like God is saying to Solomon? What do you want? It's all yours. Pick, right? Pick what you want. Good, good. Who has something besides the NIV? NRSV? You got, what do you got there? Ask what I should give you. All right? Ask whatever you want me to give you. Ask what I should give you. You see the difference there, right? One's what do you want, and the other is what do you think I should give you? Like, it's like this really, it's this really, like, the way they translate it has this, like, tentative question, like, where it's a little bit of a test, a little bit of a revealing moment. Like, well, what do you think I should give you, right? If, if, as you've parented, surely this is something you've done before, right? You've asked a question to see how they're going to answer, to see with what's next, right? Because you realize you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. Okay, ask, does anybody else have a different translation? Okay, uh, NASB says, ask what you wish me to give you, but that you wish isn't in the Hebrew. They add it in there, and you can tell by the italics. Um, the King James, actually the King James handles this whole passage for me in the way that I love the most. The King James says, ask what I shall give thee. I think it's really fair to understand what God's asking Solomon to do is to ask, Solomon, ask me what I'm going to give you. Ask me what I want to give you. Ask me what I have for you. Don't, don't tell, like, you could tell them what you want, but the, so now we have, like, what if that's our prayer? What if instead of rolling up to God and being like, I got a list of things, which is fine to do, okay, but what if we added to that, God, what do you want for me? What would it be like to be people who had that question deep in our hearts, where the first thing isn't, what do I want, or what do I think I need? But what do you have for me, God? God asks Solomon to ask what God will give him. Now, what is it that you would imagine that God wants to give you? I mean, what a question. What do, I, what do you think what do I think? What do we think God wants to give us? Now, we've got a perfect story playing out in front of us, and at the risk of putting too fine a point on it and keep talking about this, right? We think we want God to make us a little bit larger church. That's what we think. I don't know. But we think that because that's what we think a living church looks like. And I think that's part of the deal, right? I do think growing is a good thing that God has for us, except for here's the thing. Our impulse as Americans is to find the strategy we can select that will give us the outcome we think we want. Well, what if we had better signs? Couldn't hurt. What if, um, what if we changed the way the, the building worked so that when new people came in, it wasn't like, hey, new people, right? Because you come in from over there, as Jess has pointed out, right? Like, it's kind of awkward if you're new, right? Maybe that's, right? There's a whole bunch of strategies and things we can address, but here's the heart of the matter is churches grow by people inviting people into life. Communities grow by people inviting people in.
I think one of the good things that, one of the things that would be really good for all of us in all of our life and all the ways, including for us to continue to do here is to say, God, what is it you have for us? What do you want for us? And then change our hearts to want what you want. I mean, talk about, you know, we probably never would qualify that as repentance, but that's repentance. God, less of me and more of you. So God asks Solomon um, what it is. What do you imagine that I'm going to give you? What is, it, what is it? And Solomon's answer is so beautiful. And he asks for a listening heart. He, la- he asks for a hearing heart. A heart that listens a heart that understands, a heart that obeys, right? In the Hebrew, it's he asks for a shamaing heart, right? That's that word in front of the prayer they would use multiple times of day. That's what he asks for. He doesn't ask for wisdom. He doesn't ask for discernment. He asks for a heart that listens. What better fertile ground is there than that? What would it be like to have a heart that listens to God? I wondered as I was reading this and thinking about this, how, how, how is my life different? How would my life be different listening to God? How would your life be different? Would it be better? Would it be worse? Uh, is it a life you want? Sometimes we love some things that we need to shed. Uh, growing up, I used to hear this one. I wonder if you did too. God gave you two ears and what? One mouth, which means what? You gotta talk a lot to catch up to your ears. Right, it was a, it was a, a way authority folks thought they could cleverly say, shh, without saying shh. I don't have fond memories of the phrase, but it does have a, have a certain sort of zing to it. Um, think about, right? Like, even in how our faces are shaped, we have two opportunities to listen. What do you need, um, what, what, what needs to exist in order to listen? What, 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 what needs to be true for someone to listen to someone else? Uh, 400 years ago, what needed to happen for someone to listen to someone else? All right, I was just about to go sit next to Dave and drop a hint. You had to be near somebody. So embedded in a listening heart is a proximity, a closeness. Solomon's asking to be close to God. What else? Uh, what else do you need to, to be able to listen or to hear someone? You can fast forward now to like, 2023. What? Okay, you need time. I didn't think of that one. Nice job. You need to make time. Whew. Right, because when you listen, you have to be patient. I get myself in trouble for this all the time. I, get, I move fast and I listen terribly. It's just true. Sorry, Katie. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I move fast. Um, 
Okay, what else? Time, proximity, time, time and space, of course, yes. Attention? All right, attention, right? You also need a connection. You need to know who you're right, like who you're attending to. What voice is it that you're listening to? And there's one other thing that's super important for li- to, that, that if you don't have this, you're not going to listen. If you think you know what? Everything. You're not going to what? I don't need any. I'm, I know it all. I don't got time for you. I don't even need you. Right? So Solomon asking for a listening heart indicates he wants to be near He wants to attend to God. He wants to make time for God. Um, And he's also humble to know he doesn't know everything, which is pretty great because Solomon's probably young, which generally the trajectory is, all right, it's not always true. Age is definitely not an indicator of wisdom, but if you live your life humbly, that's generally the way we go, right? Like the further we go, the further I go, the more I know I have no clue. I say I don't know a lot. So this listening heart becomes described as wisdom and discernment because we see what can develop within Solomon, what can develop within us. Now I want to go back, uh, I want to look at 1 Kings, uh, I want, well I want to talk about this, the Solomon's story with the two prostitutes, and I want to look at 1 Kings 4.29, because the story, Solomon's story with the two prostitutes, what does that, what does that tell you about Solomon. The answers are usually so obvious that you probably are overthinking them, thinking I'm looking for something super clever and it's actually just what's main and plain. What is Solomon's engagement with the two prostitutes? Everybody knows the story, right? Two prostitutes come to him and say, it's my baby. And she says, no, it's my baby. And she says, no, it's my baby. And Solomon goes, hmm, how can I solve this? And Solomon says, I'm gonna what to the baby? Cut it in half because what? Why? Okay, split it even, end. The real mother would never let that happen, right? So this is the story. So what does this tell us about Solomon? What? All right, he's wise. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Exactly. It shows us that this thing works out in real life for him. What else? Oh, come on. The king is willing to talk to two prostitutes. He is willing to exist below his station. He doesn't say, go talk, you're, 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 I'm above your pay grade. He doesn't go say, go talk to my gatekeeper. Solomon's talking to prostitutes. This wise king, this son of David, you see what I'm doing? Who's that sound like? It sounds like Christ. Now, there's this really sweet thing. I kind of I fooled you. Um, in 1 uh, Kings 4.29, it does say that uh, God gave Solomon very great wisdom and discernment, but there's a line I left out. And in our pew Bibles, it says a breadth of understanding, which is fine. But again, the King James for the win, which is rare for me. I'm usually, I'm not a KJV only, I'm, uh, you know, Okay. But the King James says, God gave Solomon wisdom, discernment, and largeness of heart. 
And that's what we see in the story of the two prostitutes who come to him. Solomon's got a huge heart. Solomon's doing what kings are supposed to do, which is take care of their people and be involved in their lives and help them. Solomon isn't just wise and discerning, but he's also compassionate. He displays Christ-like compassion. The king hears the cry of the lowly. I love this, Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. If you have trouble finding where God is in your life, a smart thing to do, a wise thing, one might say, would be to go find brokenheartedness and be near it. And that can be your own brokenheartedness. It doesn't mean go find someone who's brokenhearted. You can do that. That's fine. But, you, but get, get familiar with your own broken heart. And, and I would suggest that that might be a place where you will find God waiting and attending. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he says, if I don't have love, I'm a clanging symbol. I'm nothing. I gain nothing. It isn't just that Solomon is wise and discerning. It's that Solomon is wise and discerning, and he has a large heart. There's compassion And it's God's large heart that continually comes to us and invites us to come back, to return, to leave off of things in our lives that are killing us, to just let them go, and to come and taste and see the goodness, the sweetness uh, in life and in resurrection and in new life that God has for us. Um, Isaiah 55, everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come and eat. Come buy the wine and the milk without money, without price. Why would you spend your money for that which is not bread? And why would you work for the things that don't satisfy me? And what satisfies them? I love this. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Incline your ear to me. Come to me, listen so that you may live. Wisdom is a listening heart. Take a moment now um, and be still, and then we'll come to the table in just a moment.